this is Jackie Cooper with Crypto Mom 2 Talk Show and the Blockchain Legal Institute. I want to welcome everyone to the show and I want to remind everyone to definitely like and subscribe because there's some wonderful conversations that I have in the queue. I think eight right now that I am in the process of editing and I'll be dropping them and I want to make sure you are in the know always about the wonderful things that are happening within our blockchain space. For those that are new to Crypto Mom 2, I want to thank you, and I will be hopping over to my guest in just a quick second, but I want to share a little bit about my background in case you're not familiar. I am uh, an author of the Bitcoin Cinderella blockchain series, and I'm really excited about some of the new uh, books that I'll be um publishing this year. In fact, my guest is going to be in one of them. She's going to be in the Bitcoin Cinderella and the True Stories of Women in Bitcoin. And then I'm also writing a book um, about Bermuda, and that will be the uh, Bitcoin Cinderella and the Pink Sands Treasures of Bermuda, and that will be about fintech. And so there's a lot of wonderful um, blockchain literature that you can share with um, your families to help them understand the vocabulary within this space. And then the other thing that um, as an attorney, I'm very much, and as an educator, I'm very much passionate about making sure that everyone has the resources that they need. And so I invite everyone to hop over to the Blockchain Legal Institute, www.bli.tools for those that are on the audio side and check out the resources. The resources um, are there not just for lawyers or for accountants, as consumers within this space, as business people within the space, we're all impacted by laws and policies. So the Blockchain Legal Institute really is a centralized library that provides access to both content about definitions and what's going on and resources, people in the community, as well as uh, the various uh, laws and rules that are happening within the United States and around the world. So with that, I want to welcome my guest to um, Crypto Mom 2. I've had many conversations with her, both offline as well as online. And I had the honor to be in her Twitter space when I was up in Toronto at the Blockchain Futurist Conference. And we had a fun, fun time speaking. Fun time speaking. <laughs> she just, she, she is a, um, a host with, which knows how to ask questions and, she guides this conversation on so many topics. So again, I would, I'm gonna have her Twitter handle and other contact information in the blog below. So if you're driving and listening and you don't have paper and pen, don't worry, just come back to this space. And um, you know, again, we are here to support you and answer any questions that you might have. So today, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm gonna hop over to you. <laughs> Hey, Jackie, it's so lovely to be here. And yeah, as you said, we've had many wonderful conversations. So I'm looking to just extend all of the many that we've already had. And I uh, really yeah, just aim to add value today uh, to the listeners listening from home or from car or from tram, uh, wherever you're listening from. That's the beauty of listening to, to people speak and listening to people's conversations. So one of the things that we've talked about offline is the importance of having online conversations. And you're actually, uh, I'm in Maryland and you're across the world. Why don't you share where you are? And you have, you're a, you're, you've been a digital nomad for many years and you're, you've changed businesses. You've, 
you've expanded and you are helping the community in so many ways. So where are you currently based and share a little bit more about um, where you've been? <laughs> so I'm South African uh, by birth. Uh, I happen to be in South Africa at the moment uh, in beautiful Cape Town. I'm I'm right by the beach. So I'm just watching the Atlantic Ocean and the waves lapping to shore and the sunset over the sea. So it's really fantastic. The Table Mountain just there behind me. So it's a picturesque scene. Um, but I'm only here for a holiday because I haven't lived here for many years, as you rightly said. I uh, have been a digital nomad since my son was uh, 10 and he's 17 now. And in fact, we had a conversation about it just this morning where I was just reminiscing with him. You know, when I grew up, I grew up in a city that was almost, you know, just a large farm town. Um, I mean, it was really not even on, on national level. Uh, it was not the forefront of anything. So just to kind of transcend from that kind of background, you know, to have a more national focus and then ultimately an international focus. Um, and I was saying to my son this morning, because he's he's planning his travels and, you know, then he wants to go do this in this country and that in that country. And I was just saying to him, it's so different from the way that I used to grow up, uh, because when I grew up, I mean, I lived in I was born in the town that I lived in all throughout my schooling, my high schooling and even my early adulthood. Um, so I had a very different lifestyle. And it certainly does afford you a completely view of the world when you have this global lifestyle. So we've lived in Asia over the over the years in Europe. Um, I mean, and at the moment, we really kind of bounce between uh, all of these different continents, especially as I travel a lot for work. So, yeah, it's been an interesting lifestyle so far, um, and you definitely do get to understand a lot of nuances about different cultures and about what what brings us together and also the differences between us, uh, but how most of the differences are not really that different. Uh, you know, the details are different, but the fundamentals are pretty much the same no matter where you go. So, yeah, a lot of food for thought to have this kind of lifestyle. Yeah. Now, um, you decided to have this lifestyle for a reason. Um, and you are in the blockchain community and you're doing a lot. So what made you decide to um, navigate into this space? Because it's, you know, again, we, a lot of the individuals who are in the blockchain space come from, uh, and I, I really don't like using this word traditional because what's traditional one year um, or what's not traditional one year is traditional another year because as people's awareness change, it becomes more adopted. So, but um, you've been in this space for a while and what, what made you think about um, doing the traveling and doing the business that you're in? Yeah, so the, the traveling preceded the blockchain industry, um, but I think it was all intertwined long before I knew what consciously and, and what was unfolding before me. Um, so my early career, I mean, if I go all the way back, um, I started my career in psychology and very quickly realized that, you know, sitting in a room and counseling others, that that's not where my passion uh that's not, not where it was, was seated. Uh, it was something that I was passionate about, but certainly not as a career. Um, and I think this is one of the other issues in terms of just career counseling in high school, you know, and having 
having had not as much access to information that we do today because that preceded the internet, of course. So I only could go into job options that I knew already that it existed. Um, and that was quite limited compared to what we have today where you can really just create your own career. So started in psychology, realized it wasn't for me. And then really as a, as a serendipity, I guess, fell into digital marketing, which is back uh, in 2011, 2012, what we used to call it. Now it's just marketing um, because I had learned, I, my son has, uh, has, you know, my son is neurodiverse um, and I wanted to create resources for the global neurodiversity community, uh, but then kind of fell into homeschooling because he, you know, it was easier for us to homeschool uh, because of just how restrictive the education system was and, you know, how the limiting beliefs that they have towards children that are different. Um, different in the sense they just have, you know, different brains and how these brains function, which is beautiful. And I mean, as a neurodiverse family, you know, it's I, I'm so happy to be able to support my son in a way that back in my childhood, uh, parents didn't know that these issues existed and children simply didn't get the same support. So I almost feel like I'm supporting myself as an inner parent in the same way that I'm supporting my son. Um, but because I was building resources for that global community, um, I fell into digital marketing almost by accident. And at the time, it was a really, really early nascent time in terms of businesses wanting to come in, SMEs wanting to come in. The big brands were already online, uh, but the average business owner didn't understand why they needed a website, you know, why they needed a social media page. Um, and it's, you know, fast forward 10 years or so, we're at the same kind of point where it's really early days for blockchain and a lot of uh, conglomerates are the ones that have had the resources uh, and the foresight perhaps to kind of dabble a little bit in it and have a proof of concept. But most small businesses, they don't really have this as part of their professional imagination just yet because the technology is so early. Um, so you either find that you have complete Web3 businesses that built Web3 from the ground up, or, you know, businesses are not there yet. But so I kind of came into blockchain in the middle of these two periods in 2017, because um, I'd owned a marketing agency. And then I was heading up uh, digital marketing again, as it was called at the time, uh, for the global pharmaceutical company. Um, and so I really had experience of the space from very different angles. But I also realized when I was working in corporate, this was not going to work for me. Uh, so quit my job, you know, took my son who was already unschooling at that time. Uh, so we didn't, we were not bound to be in a, in a specific location because of his education. And we started traveling and I had no idea what I was going to do. I was doing environmental marketing consulting for a while. And then I thought, okay, what is, you know, what is it that I'm truly passionate about? Because now having worked in pharma, it feels like my soul has been sucked from me and I need to, you know, I need to rectify the karma that's been generated as a result of me working in this industry. Um, and I really just wanted to give back. I think kind of that was the that was the the uh, the back the backwater narrative that was happening in my subconscious. Um, but I had always had a passion for writing. Um, at school, everyone assumed I would be an author one day. So you know, really kind of missed a lot of signs before I finally found my path. Um, and uh, 
I knew that I was never going to be employed as a journalist uh, because that's a career path that I hadn't chosen. And so when I then got the opportunity to work as a journalist, I grabbed it with both hands because I was not doing it because I needed the income. It was just, oh, finally, I've been a school journalist, you know, head school journalist throughout high school, was the youngest journalist in my high school. So, you know, I had that sort of schooling educational background, but I wanted to be a real journalist in the real world. Um, but it happened to be in blockchain. And I knew nothing about blockchain. However, what you want is always the strongest motivating force. So I'm someone who believes in going after what I want instead of, you know, thinking that there's something that I can't pursue because I don't have the skills, don't have the knowledge. I really believe in kind of leaping and, and, and growing wings on the way down. Um, and so I started working as a journalist and I was researching on the job and I was learning about blockchain as I was researching and writing about it. But very quickly, it really became so apparent to me that this is something unlike anything else that I had ever encountered. And I'd come across Bitcoin in 2012. Um, I was way too much of a non-math, non-science kind of person to understand anything that it was. I, I don't even know if I understood that it was truly an alternative currency because I think, you know, at the time I was so embroiled the in the predominant paradigm of i mean money is only through the government and there's only one way to do this the entire fiscal system it's set in stone and so i think in 2012 i couldn't even comprehend the meaning of what it was all about um and there was definitely you know this kind of veil that comes into your brain when something is above your uh your level of understanding and comprehension and you kind of have a cognitive bias against well I just I don't understand it so I'm not even going to try so by 2017 I think enough time had passed for uh the, the industry and the concept the technology to be idiot proofed as I like to say because that's kind of what I told myself in 2012 like as soon as it becomes understandable to people like me then I'll get into it if it's still around at that time. Um, and so kind of that's what happened in 2017. And I mean, I think ever since uh, the industry has evolved so much in so many different levels, and I've been involved in the industry at so many different levels. I've worked at, as a journalist for multiple publications, including Bitcoin.com, um, Investing.com, um, Be in Crypto and, and others. But I've also, you know, I've, I've been a fractional CMO at multiple different companies over the years. And some of these were times when the market was riding high and others when it crashed and kind of in everywhere in the middle. Um, and I, for the past two years or so, uh, been the co-founder at Adlunum. So I've really seen so many different aspects of the industry. Of course, I'm also an advisor at many different projects. Um, I speak at conferences, you know, I, I, I engage with the community. So I see so many different unfoldings that have taken place over the years. Um, a few years ago, it felt like everybody knew everybody in the industry because it was really so small. And, you know, fast forward to today and you meet new people every day and there's not enough days in a year to meet the amount of new people that have entered the space. And so that really gives me a lot of hope in terms of kind of what I've been seeing over these uh, last few years since, well, since 2012, when unfortunately I didn't have the foresight or really the understanding how to buy B Bitcoin or otherwise <laughs> we might not have been sitting here. <laughs> but you have that knowledge now. <laughs> 
Absolutely. I'm hodling. <laughs> this is not financial advice. No, no. These this these conversations are not financial advice, nor legal advice, nor <laughs> advice. Not at all. This is all personal opinion and education. <laughs> so um what is your focus now? I know that um, that's a pretty broad question. We were talking about the fact that um, you do Twitter spaces, but you also do, uh, you have accelerators, you are for startups, you you do a, a lot of different things. Um, what's your primary focus now or what? where do you see yourself going? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think extrapolating just for the minute, although I think it's almost impossible to yeah. separate these two things. Um, <laughs> One aspect of kind of what I'm involved with is really um, where do I see the space going and how do I want to contribute uh, to shaping the narrative in a certain way? Because I think as we were talking earlier, you know, there's a lot of social good aspects uh, that are possible in the space, um, but it's not necessarily the focus for the industry because the industry is very focused on uh you know, big gains and 60xing investments and 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 that's very valid it's i mean it's why this industry is what it is uh if you if you extrapolate you know this industry from those possible profits uh probably you're not going to find as many people interested so that's the reality um however i always think that injecting your own value system into what you're doing is incredibly important um, and so I would say overall, my focus as an individual is a very humanitarian approach to what digital identities are, because we're moving into a time, I mean, you and I were born in times where there was no technology and, you know, we really made do without it. But the next generation, I mean, for them, my son already, I mean, he's already almost 18. So he also was born before technology was what it is today. But the generation after him, they are completely digital. And how this is changing me as a person, I mean, I've transformed as a, as a kind of hybrid being between the offline me and the online me. And so all the more how it's going to affect the next and the next and the next generation, I think is a really important conversation. Um, and so that's something that I always interweave into kind of everything that I do and a lot of, you know, related sort of topics, but I'm not going to take up all the time because it really can. Um, but so professionally then at Adlunum, so we are an investment ecosystem that specifically is focused on the Web3 industry. Um, I think the key focus that's so incredibly important in light of a, what I'm going to say, but also what I have just said, uh, is this idea that Web3, blockchain, crypto, it's meant to democratize access. Now, what this access means is different for many different projects and for many different individuals. I mean, I myself am from a third world country, so to speak, in our South Africa because of its economic uh, standing. It's very difficult. Uh, for example, I was supposed to speak in, in Denmark this week at the Nordic Blockchain Association uh, Conference, and uh, I couldn't because we had riots here that led to unrest, and so I couldn't apply for my Schengen visa, and so I therefore cannot travel to the conference. Um, now, th these are the kind of realities that people deal with on the ground, and yes, there's not that many solutions uh, that we have just yet for really eradicating poverty and inequality. 
However, the digital realm gives people the possibility to transcend digitally what they might not have access to uh, locally. So being able to work remotely, for example, and be part of the blockchain industry, that's a massive opportunity for people on continent, in, in, con in the continent like Africa, for example, or in Asia, in South America, where they are able to generate an income by being in the industry, you know, contributing as salaried employees, but working remotely. So that on the one hand, um, I think is something that definitely needs to be talked about more in terms of the social good that the industry is doing. Uh, but then on the other hand, so we what we do is we work with uh, early stage startups, and this is between uh, once they've received seed funding all the way to their public sale. So this can be a couple of months or at the moment because of the market, it, it seems like it's a couple of years. Um, and so we support them in many different aspects, uh, whether this is community growth, whether it's marketing, whether it's tokenomics, um, connecting them to investors. So really the full spectrum service because we are in the business of partnering with partners that help our startups, you know, kind of get to that level uh, where they're able to do the public sale, uh, which is a very difficult time in the market right now, because of course, everyone's building, but there's not really a lot of movement happening. And so for this reason, this is something that we focus heavily on at the moment. Um, we do also have the public sale investment platform that has an engaged to earn model. So this is designed, you know, for people, if you imagine uh, you go on Twitter, you go on Reddit, on Discord, on Telegram, all of these different platforms where you have to stay updated. I mean, there's so many different groups, especially in Web3, you know, for every project that you support, that you are part of, they have multiple social media channels and yeah. they're in Discord and on, yeah. you know, everywhere. And so, so as an investor, especially a retail investor, you need to put in a lot of time and attention. Uh, to be able to stay updated. So this is something that you don't have much of a choice about, but you're not compensated for your time. Uh, and so really the model that we've come up with is companies that are launching and doing their, their, their public sale, um, they are spending a massive marketing budget already. Um, and they're spending it everywhere. They're spending it hoping, you know, kind of throwing a stone into the bush and hoping that something's going to come out because they're not really sure if they are genuinely connecting with the community that is passionate about what they are doing. So what our platform does, but yeah, because of the market, uh, that aspect is not live because everyone's in hibernation. When the bear comes out, everyone hibernates. Uh, so what our platform does is it has a gamified approach uh, where you know, retail investors are able to engage and that engagement leads them to be able to invest uh, in, in, in projects that are doing public sales. Um, but so yeah, just a, just a kind of recap on, I know I took the answer to this conversation no, it's in all multiple good. It's different all good. directions. It's all good because we have many um, conversations, so it's all good. <laughs> yes, I mean, it's amazing how when you and I speak, it always goes in so many different directions. Um, and and I, I don't always try to stay on point necessarily. Uh, because I think we touch on so many different things uh, that if we were to kind of stick to one area at a time, um, it doesn't get to unlock the other possibilities or the other directions that you could I, take with the question and the answer. <laughs> I totally agree. And that's why I like open-ended questions, because this is the type of intelligent conversation that I think that everyone needs to hear, because there is no 
um, straight or narrow answer. And um, our community is so broad. So what you're doing and everything, it also shows for everyone who's listening, your own knowledge base and the expertise that you've created and developed because of the fact that this community has so many layers to it. So... <laughs> Absolutely. No, I think um, that is probably the biggest change that I've seen over the last few years. And I, I would say that a lot of this started because of COVID. Um, I think because people were home. And, and, and so this has honestly, there was a time when my favorite question was, how did you get into uh, the blockchain industry? Because, you know, those answers are as varied as the people on earth you will never get to hear the same story twice. Um, I mean, there might be groupings of stories that sound very similar, and then you get outliers where it's a completely unique story and kind of everything in between. Um, but that used to be my favorite question. But since COVID, my, my favorite question has become, how has COVID changed you? Because I think the shifts that have taken place ever since have been massive. Now, for me, for example, I started working remotely in, oh my God. I mean, since my son was born, I always tried to work from home anyway. Um, that was kind of how I shaped my career. I didn't want to make career choices that took me away from him, which corporate did, which was, you know, one of the reasons that I was in and out uh, as, as quick as I could. Um, but, you know, it's been many years. I think it's been for sure over a decade uh, that I've worked remotely. And the the amazing thing is a lot of people experienced this for the first time in their lives during COVID. So they'd never worked remotely before and kids had never schooled remotely. And so it completely flipped on its head everything that society knew about itself and expected of itself and you know kind of found familiar i mean you read about the schooling system in finland and it sounds oh so exotic because you know it's very different from the way we do things in xyz country but there's a there's a typical system i mean people wake up in the morning in every country in the world they wake up they go to work they stay at work for most of the day and they come home in the evening and kids do the same and it's very rare for any country to have a model that is different to this. And suddenly with, you know, like a Thanos snap, immediately that was completely reversed and everyone was at home and everyone were doing their things online. And so it really, I think, shifted the, 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 the general global consciousness in some way because people started thinking differently about things that they had before. Um, and so I've seen since COVID happened and, you know, the 2021 sort of NFT summer where NFTs became massive and they were going to be the next hallelujah, you know, savior uh, resource that we have in the world and it's going to fix everyone's boo-boos. And I mean, that was a really interesting time to get a lot of people into the space Um because, I mean, it is very important for the space to evolve because of the same people remain in the same space and there's no growth. Uh, well, then at some point there's going to be no space. So we need a diversity of voices. And this is something I've seen over the last, you know, two to three years more than ever before. Um, but now the question is, because the market is in such a difficult time, uh, because, I mean, blockchain as a technology is a mainstay. 
It is the technology that is allowing all of these decentralization principles and self-sovereignty and all of these qualities that and philosophies that people are aligned with in the Web3 space. Blockchain is the technology that underwrites this and the, the technology is not going anywhere. But because the market is so closely linked to the financial performance, um, the Bitcoin price and the Bitcoin price, you know, goes up or down and is very volatile as it is, then all of the other tokens in the entire industry suffer as well. Um, so as long as it's so closely tied, um, it is going to remain a space that welcomes a lot of interesting people from every different background, uh, but we are not going to see the kind of adoption and growth uh, that we can see and definitely will see at some point when people start realizing that there is a difference between the technological solutions and how much profit you can make from you know any particular coin. Um, so I think we're definitely very, very, very early days there. Um, and if you look at AI, the AI adoption rate uh, with retail consumers, um, I mean, it skyrocketed almost from the get-go, uh, which really tells us something about utility. Um, because who doesn't use a solution like ChatGPT? We all use it for different use cases. I sometimes laugh at myself. I feel like I should publish a book just on wacky conversations to have with ChatGPT because I'm having so much fun with it and I'm having fun with it in a way that it's not possible to do with you know a human um, because I need access to that data, but I use it very creatively um, and out of the box thinking. So for me, the adoption of AI personally has been almost instantaneous because I have a very strong use case for it. Well, in my case, having fun and exploring kind of certain boundaries of thought. Um, but then for a lot of people, I mean, it's freeing up time and it's, you know, it has a real world utility. I mean, there's also a conversation about uh, the dangers of AI, of AI, of course, uh, but that is always part and parcel of any technology. Um, everything is moving faster than we would like it to and everything is moving faster than it probably ought to, uh, which is also interesting how we are going to adopt AI because maybe it can help us as much as, you know, we, we have to put up guardrails that we are not necessarily doing, uh, but that's for sure a different conversation. Um, but so the adoption difference between AI and in Web3, where the utility is not as strong, you know, I can I can invest in a game, in a Web3 game that promises X, Y, Z. Uh, but in reality, building a game takes an incredibly long time uh, and takes an incredible amount of money. Now, not to say that this cannot be done in a shorter time with, you know, less money. However, the problem with a lot of Web3 games, for example, is it's about the crypto aspect. It's not really about the game. Now, gamers are interested in quality games and AAA games. They play games not because they want to earn money. They play games because they want to relax. They want to have fun. So I think there's a lot of lessons that we still need to learn. Um, but yes, the amount of well, or the variety of people, the diversity of voices in the space uh, and what everyone contributes. Uh, this is probably the thing that I'm the most excited about because uh, I see the the space evol evolving almost on a daily basis. I think one of the things that you mentioned that I think is also important is that with the 
uh, two things. Um, if we don't have new people in the space, and it sort of is like, you know, everyone being on the same island and everyone talking to each other, sort of like we talked about at, you know, some conferences where you're meeting the same people. But so it's important to have new voices because that also lends to the creativity because then it means that you hear things from a different perspective. But um, the other thing that you and I've talked about is that in order to have adoption of, of any of these concepts, you also have to be looking at equity of the world and looking at who has internet access, who has access to bank accounts, who has access to the education about what this is so that way they don't get scammed. And I'm not just talking on the crypto side, even on the, uh, the traditional side. So all of this has to happen within the business community and the ethics of the companies who are building in this community need to be really strong to, be, to look at how are they supporting the education for the consumers who are going to be using their products. Cause I think it's um, it, we can't do this in isolation, you know? So um, everyone has a role with the, um, the development of new tech that can help people um, both um, you and I were talking about because I'm in the special ed world, you know, for diverse learners who have multiple different learning styles, it's very important for career paths as well as for the companies who are looking at developing their services or tech to see are their platforms accessible and if they are not how do they make it accessible to both those that need the education as well as those that need access so there's a lot of different conversations i mean you just kind of touch the surface of everything <laughs> yes no this is a very very big topic um you know what what you said reminded me uh when I also I forgot to mention this earlier, but I also had a had a stint in education, you know, just to round out all of the other many, many different experiences. I mean, I've been all over the place, but that does give me a vantage point of sorts. Uh, so when I did work in special ed for a while, I, I had a student who um, so South Africa has 11 official languages, uh, but English is probably the I would say number one language in the sense it's the language that everyone, the mutual language that everyone understands. So you have regional languages, um, that, you know, specific to specific areas that people speak, but English is spoken widely all over. And then you have uh, Afrikaans, which is uh, a derivative of Dutch uh, from the Dutch colonialization. Uh, well, uh, the Dutch, the French, I mean, there, there was a lot happening in, in, in South Africa at some point. Um, and so I remember this this encounter with a student of mine. Uh, so she came from a very wealthy, because it was a special ed school, so you had kids from, from all different walks of life. Um, and she came from a very wealthy uh, agricultural family. You know, they, they own huge amounts of land. And I mean, this is really the... Uh, this is one of the issues in, in, in South Africa and in the political narrative is the uh, unequal distri distribution of land because of apartheid, because of colonialism. Um, and so she's from a family that has access to a lot of resources and definitely she will never really want for a job. Uh, she will never need to go out into the open job market to apply for a job. And she, I was teaching English and she absolutely, absolutely hated the subject and didn't want anything to do with it. And she was already in high school. 
And I pulled her aside one day and you know, really tried to have a heart and heart to heart with her and explain to her, you know, it's important for her future, even though the, the city where, uh, where she was being schooled in the area where they live was very Afrikaans uh, dominant. But I mean, it's big world out there. And she looked at me completely puzzled and said, but I mean, I'm never going to leave here. And I'm never going to look for a job. So why do I need to know English? Everyone that I deal with, uh, they speak Afrikaans. And um, and so this story came to mind for me because I think it's really important to remember the worldview that different people have. Um, this student happened to be someone who was very privileged. Now, they might not have been a global for globally focused family, but the resources that they have access to, it does allow them, even within their, you know, sort of local ecosystem, it puts them at the top of the food chain. But then there's the rest of the hierarchy. There are so many people around the world, and we can talk about the financial inequality. I mean, South Africa, for example, according to the Gini coefficient, is the number one most unequal country in the world, the divide between rich and poor. But there's so many different countries where people are really battling financially because of poverty, because of low uh, income, you know, national wages, etc. But there are also so many other different inequalities. I mean, we we touched on neurodiversity earlier. Um, if if you are a neurodiverse student person in a world that is not built for neurodiverse people, you know, you you also. Uh, you're at a disadvantage. And there's so many different gender gender inequality, for example. I mean, the list really goes on and on. And so I think when people build products or services or have any sort of engagement with an industry like this, that is still so much a sandbox. Um, and I say sandbox thinking of Minecraft, my son has been playing Minecraft his entire life and he's never probably going to divorce that relationship because Minecraft is an environment where he can do and build whatever he wants. And that is how his brain formed as a gamer is to know, oh, but there's possibilities for me. Whereas there are some other play, play you know, play, uh, role-playing games, for example, where your choices are a lot more limited in terms of the world that you find yourself in. So in this industry, we're in a sandbox environment yeah. where every solution that is being built is being built from scratch. It came from, you know, maybe one, two, five, ten, a hundred people's imaginations. Um, this is a very fortunate space for us to be in at this time. And whoever you are, whatever your role or your contribution, the fact that you are here at this time even if you're just part of the audience following certain in pieces of information, or you are just a retail investor investing, you know, a hundred dollars into this industry, well, even if you're at that level where you don't day to day and day after day focus on this exclusively, but we're all building this together. But I think especially if this is your day job, um, which I always say is almost a sacred responsibility because yeah what you are doing is shaping by virtue of existing the direction of this industry and especially because of you know regulatory um 
kind of hawk eyes that are that are placed on the industry and you know all the legal hurdles and the uphill battles and the scams and how people need to be protected so i think if you are someone working in this space especially as a founder you have such an incredibly huge opportunity to do right by people and so that's why at a time like this building in this space and that's why i'm grateful for markets like the one that we have now because building in this space should not be because of the amount of lamborghinis that you can buy in you know one the span of one month it should be about what changes can you make because when things are easy everyone is there and this counts as much for a mature technology market i mean we how many people are involved with quantum computing right now most people have no idea what it is so you know web3 is closer to quantum computing in terms of adoption than it is in terms of you know i don't know basic technology like a tv or a radio for example so the adoption is going to take a lot of time so why are you here are you here when it's a you know it's a bull market and there's a lot of investment and vc money and retail money and the hypes are 60x 100x is that why you're here and is that why you're building or are you here because you're convinced that the way that things have been going in terms of centralization in a lot of industries that's something that needs to be disrupted and for this reason you are building at a time when it's incredibly difficult to build and so i think you know we touched on this earlier because of the startups that we work with now at this time and helping them through Alex, our, our acceleration process, you know, leading up to an eventual public sale when the market returns, I really get to see the mindsets that set founders apart uh, in terms of resilience, in terms of pivot. So even for us as a company, I mean, I think we have been challenged as founders in a way that I don't think we anticipated it would require this much of us, but I can promise you, and especially, you know, as a female founder, because there's so much being said about how little support female founders get. But I mean, I think there's also a different aspect to it because we also don't focus the narrative as much on not only the unicorns. We don't look enough at the average everyday people that are building startups, whether they are female founders, uh, because we always talk about the big guys, right? The top 10, the top five, um, but also in a space like this and you know how many allies there are for, for women, for example, I mean, both of my co-founders are male and I really believe them to be some of my top allies in the space because they really support me. Now, of course, that's the way it should be, but then there's this narrative that women are not being supported. And that's very true on one hand. But on the other hand, there are women or there are times when women are being supported. So I think, you know, especially at this time, it's really important to give a very balanced narrative of what is happening. Like there's things that make it very easy to be in the space. And there are things that make it very hard. And sometimes the hard things are also the easy things and vice versa. And I think that's why, you know, on the one hand, educating people about the technology and educating people about safety and about legal aspects and all of these very important topics. But on the other hand, I think also the narrative for people working in the space, building in the space, important because 
you can't really talk about this stuff with people that don't work in Web3, right? Um, the average person, if you start talking about this, they completely look at you as though when you an alien just dragged you through the door and what the heck are you talking about and the eyes glaze over. So it's very important for us also, I think, as uh, as industry professionals to really support each other with conversations like this, for example, because um, that really is something that normalizes the issues that we have going on, the opportunities, the highlights, the lowlights. I think it's very important to be real uh, and we have the opportunity to be authentic or at least more authentic in Web3 than we are in more established industries like the pharmaceutical industry for example <laughs> i think that we definitely have the ability to be uh positively creative in our space and um and and that's one of the things that I, i've loved about the conversations i've had with you because um you've navigated so many different um areas and you're also helping so many different people um and you give opportunities to so many different people, both uh, from the uh, the social media side to the business building side. So um, I know we're going to have many conversations. <laughs> are there any last minute thoughts that you can think of that you want to share for those that are listening? Um, and for everyone who's listening, also remember, I'm going to have all of the links below so that way you can reach out. And you can follow and subscribe to, to everything that we've talked about. But any last minute thoughts that you would like to share with those that are listening? Yeah, I mean, I think really just thinking about where we are right now. Um, we are really at the dawn of, uh, and when I say dawn, I don't mean, you know, two years from now on, on the 5th of May, for example. <laughs> um this is a dawn that's unfolding and we already we already in this dawn and it's already happening. It's an unfolding dawn. Um, but things are changing. Uh, things are changing rapidly from one generation to the next. And now in the current state and the current time period that we are in, change is coming like never before at a speed like never before. So a lot of this is inevitable, the changes that are going to happen. Um, if you look at, you know, the the adoption the adoption, early adoption curve, for example, how long it takes between when the first initial pioneers kind of venture into unknown territory until you know, kind of everyone is there. Um, so there is a period of change, but the one thing that is apparent to pretty much everyone, and whether this is technological change or whether this is uh, socio uh, or geopolitical change and sociological change uh, as a result of technology, perhaps, climate change change so there's a lot of things happening um so i think it's very very easy uh at a time when information is overwhelming um i mean i'm adhd so i know when there's too much happening i just shut down you know and go into my head where there's a million other things happening but at least i've shut down and shut out the the external stimuli um so it's easy to kind of say you know what i'm i'm going to ignore this today or i'm going to think about this tomorrow or some other time or it's too early or so so that's a knee jerk reaction that is very valid and that is very understandable um, because the nervous system already is coping with so much on our all in our always on digital life that we have. But now, you know, in the in the face of all of these changes, 
that is going to mean, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. Um, if I look at my son's generation, they don't have nearly the same rosy outlook for the future that I had when I was his age. I mean, he is very much a realist and realizes that everything could blow to pieces at any given moment. And I can't even imagine what it must feel like to grow up as a as a young person with this mental state or, you know, kind of the, the cultural mental state. Um, so whoever you are, whatever age you are, you know, you might have different fears for different reasons. But so I would say the one thing really that I can say in closing to this entire conversation is how important it is to just have at least a kind of foothold in what is happening so even if you glance you know a lot of people say they don't want to follow the news um i don't follow the news but i get news from sources that is not mainstream media for example so in the same way you know wherever you get your information from whether it's by listening to conversations like this whether it's i think podcast is is actually exactly a good example of this because if this episode is anything to go by, how many different aspects people touch on. Uh, but there's so many different podcasts out there that you can listen to, YouTube videos, you know, people that you can follow on social media that talk about different topics. But make sure you find one or at least one or, or even more outlets where you can just keep an eye on what is happening. Um, and yes, it might sometimes feel like it's overwhelming in the same way that the mainstream media news feels it's overwhelming, um, which is why you have to curate your information. But I think the more you know, uh, the more this fear will dissipate and the more you will understand, A, how inevitable it is going to be, however long it takes, that society is going to change in all these different ways. Uh, but be, you know, that you can prepare for it in the best way possible, because there are people that will be better prepared for the changes than others. We saw this with COVID, for example, people, as I said, I'd be working remotely for about 10 years before that. So for me, COVID, you know, there were certain changes that were difficult, especially when I was under strict lockdown for an entire year in the country that I was kind of a COVID refugee in. Um, so that was really tough, but having to stay home and work online and learn online, that was a new to us. So we were able to handle that much better. Doesn't mean that it didn't affect us. So in the same way, if you know what's happening and you keep abreast of changes, doesn't mean you're going to breeze through it. Like it's still going to be difficult. Um, but I think the difficult part really is to be caught completely unawares. You know, it's, kind of realizing at nine months that you've been pregnant all this time. Um, pregnancy might not be easy, but the the, the, the earlier you know about it, the, the easier it's gonna be to adapt, I think. <laughs> so in that sense, you know, just do yourself a favor um, and have an idea of what's coming because it will help you with opportunities and it will also help you just, uh, yeah, just introduce a little, bit more of acceptance you know the buddhist term of acceptance and you can't change it so you're not going to let it ruin the entire span of your lifetime uh, again easier said than done but yeah i mean um it is an interesting time as the chinese well the, the false chinese curse says 
um and uh we just have to you know we just have to wing it and we have to go with it so resources like this is absolutely fantastic people putting so much time into into creating content like this really really important and if you've been listening to this episode for the entire time that we've been talking, I mean, then you are really important as well, because not many people make it to the end of anything, never mind stick to something for very long. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad to be here. And thank you so much, Jackie. This was an absolutely amazing conversation. Um, and just to say, if you want to connect with me, uh, LinkedIn is the best place for me. Uh, Natya Besta, you'll, you'll obviously probably see it on the episode details as well. Um, yeah. And then at lunam.cc, uh, at lunam is Latin for to the moon. So it's a bit of a metaphorical connection to, um, you know, kind of pushing forward with where we want to go from where we are. And we know like moon landings, uh, it's not easy. So yeah, if you're part of the of the crew, of the industry crew, or you are just supporting the technology because you know in future it it, it might make some massive changes, then yeah, I'm happy to to do moon landings with you uh, at some point in in the in the unknown future. <laughs> I love that. I think you know, just like the title of your your company is, I think we all need to reach for the moon. You know, just like reaching for the stars, because again, um, there are no limits to what we can do. And I and I know, like you know, in in being um, friends and associates with you, when you have team of individuals who are there to guide you and also to kind of give advice on the path, it makes it a lot easier. So the and and also sharing with what you've just you know, or adding on to what you just said. It is important to have multiple resources, you know, whether it's, um, you know, the like the BLI Institute as a centralized library or any other resources that you use, because you do have to do your due diligence. You have to make sure that what you're hearing can be verified more than once, because if it's only one, if the if the information you're hearing is only said one time and you don't see it duplicated across the the space, then maybe there's something not right about that information. And so you have to really, um, uh, everyone has intelligence, use your intelligence, you know, think about, critically think about what it is that you're reading, what it is that is being stated in front of you and um, use your intuition. If it doesn't feel right, you know, then search out other information. Again, um, we're, we're, we have many abilities and sometimes we kind of dull our senses as to where we go. And um, and like you said, it's not about the greed. It's not about the Lamborghinis or things like that. So if you're investing in something, you have to think about what is the outcome for that investment? You know, um, what are the resources that I have for that investment? Am I willing to lose that money? Um, and, um, you know, and what is the company that I'm investing in doing with those funds? Uh, because again, there's never a guarantee that a company is going to last. We've seen that both traditional as well as, in, you know, in other parts of the world. And that's not a reflection on them. The markets change. So, but you've got to do your own research. So, I mean, again, our conversation could go on. So I'm going to, um, with love and this now, and I'm going to say, be kind to yourself, as I say, at the end of all of my conversations, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. We're all so interconnected. We're all part of one world. And I cannot wait to have a chat with you again and to talk with everyone as well. So thank you and have a great day and definitely like, and subscribe because there's definitely more to come. Talk to you soon. Bye guys. Mm -hmm.